No one ever sees me, sees me. I'm losing every battle. Can somebody save me, save me? I'm losing every battle. Welcome to Battle to Be the Trauma Transformation Podcast. Tonight, we are live with Julie Winterborn, and she is a fantastic artist. But not only that, she's also a healer, and she facilitates these amazing sessions that I'm going to let her tell you about, but I'm going to tell you that I got to have one of these sessions, and... If you get the opportunity, it's something that everyone should try to do. Everyone should explore. Everyone should experience. It is fun. It is liberating. And there is a essential healing quality to touching your inner child that comes out. And she just facilitates this beautiful experience so well. So... I'm going to have Julie tell us a little bit about who she is just as a normal person and what things she likes to do and about her family a little bit and say hello. <laughs> well, thank you. I don't know about terribly normal, but I'll do my best to kind of show up, you know, appropriately. <laughs> um, so thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be here with you evening and excited to have a conversation with you about this. So first of all, thank you very much. Um, second of all, let's see, who am I? My name is Julie Winterborn and I am a native of Northern California born, I'm a fifth generation Californian, so I'm a born weirdo. And uh, that comes through in the work that I get to do. Uh, my day-to-day -day life, I'm a mom to one teenage child who is 17.79 five years old going on 35. I get advice from her all the time, it's neat. Um, and I have a giant um, mixed breed German Shepherdish dog. And we just, we live here in Northern California and have a lot of fun. And um, I get to do this wonderful work that I enjoy. You guys are seeing some of my paintings behind me. Yeah, so that's me in a nutshell, in a tiny nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love, we love dog people most of my like it is so funny all of my clientele my military my police officers I think at least 80 percent and that's a total guess <laughs> they've got to be dog people it's so funny I think there's definitely a difference my child who gives me advice she's a cat person and let me tell you we're wildly different like I will greet you and hugs and you know super <laughs> outgoing and she's the let me stay in my room and read a book type you know so she's definitely more of a cat person we have both um but yeah definitely a dog person I don't think I've ever actually there was maybe a couple of years in there where I did not have a dog in my whole entire life born into a house with dogs and we've had dogs forever. So good. I'm in good company. <laughs> That's me too. I've had dogs all my life, just except for a very short period of time without them. And when you don't have them, you miss them. Oh my gosh. Desperately. <laughs> so I always, this is a trauma transformation podcast. So I always like to know, you know, what is your journey story? What brought you to the place that you are because most healers 
they have a story. There's a reason that you feel the need to be there for other people. So give us a little bit of background on what brought you into the healing work. 100%. Yeah, I am perpetually creating what I need. When I need something, I create it and I make it for others because I want it. And I figure if I need it, then other people must also. Um, I am a survivor of multiple complex traumas, um, starting from very early childhood, um, going right on up. I was thinking about this today. I was like, I didn't maybe have any childhood trauma when I was maybe in like fourth or fifth grade. And I was like, oh wait, no, I got to actually testify against a school teacher who was my school teacher uh, when I was that age. So, you know, all joking aside, um, there's been trauma throughout my whole um, history. And when I look at the matrilineal lineage of our family, the women have uh, endured much. And, um, and then I even look back further into my DNA and, you know, uh, a couple of interesting things about that are, first of all, I am a direct descendant of the notorious bad guy, Jesse James, and not even joking, it says it on my 23andMe report, and um, and mostly English and Scottish, but going all the way back to Viking people. So if you can imagine everything that's been endured in the history of that line, it's a lot. Um, but the thing that I think is really neat is that when you heal yourself, you heal everybody that came before you. And so I've spent this lifetime on this journey. Um, I sometimes call myself a mystic, always seeking that spiritual nugget, that thing that's going to, um, kind of turn the key and let me lose. And I'll tell you one thing that brings me sort of into this time in a more specific way, sort of kind of brushing over history, but um, bringing it into uh, kind of this time, the way I came to this work that I'm, I'm doing now is I was actually a very young uh, mother. I had a little girl when I was just 19 years old, and unfortunately she died from crib death or SIDS. Um, she died, I had just turned 20 years old, and I came from a family of people that they weren't really into that whole healing thing and they were not very resourced. We didn't talk about our feelings because, you know, you don't talk about the feelings. Like I know Papa was in the Navy in World War II and we we're never allowed to talk about it. That was just something. And then my, my dad who raised me, he was in Korea. We don't talk about it. He's missing a leg, but we don't talk about it. You know what I mean? Um, so when I was here, I was 20. Uh, grieving the loss of a child. I, I didn't have the resources. I didn't know what to do. So I tried sex, drugs, and rock and roll, uh, which sounds fun and very American. But guess what? After three years of having my face, you know, being face down to plate of cocaine, my arms were still aching. I still didn't have, I still didn't have that baby to hold. And the truth was I was a mess. I had looked for healing in all kinds of places, including like I got married very young. That didn't work out. That guy was growing weed in the other room. I had no idea. Um, I'm laughing about it now, but it was intense at the time. But like when I think like, you know, hindsight being 2020, I look back and I was just so like innocent and clueless and just thought that I would just keep going and, and it wasn't working. I was a freaking disaster. I weighed about 88 pounds and I was a grown up. I weighed 88 pounds and I was just sick from doing all the drugs that I had done. And one day I was out in my backyard and I was watering my flowers. And all of a sudden I got this like this, this message, this download that was, 
um, telling me, uh, pull out a folding table. And I was like, a folding table. All right. So I pulled out a folding table. You know, I'm just listening. I'm like, I don't know where these ideas are coming from, but all right, why not? You know, I was like, am I high still? No, I didn't think I was still high, but God only knows what was happening, right? And it was, you know, the voice was also like, you need to go into and get like a bucket of water, not just a little water, like a whole bucket. So I went rummaging around the ground and I found a five gallon old bucket um, and filled it up with water. And I found a paintbrush, like a, the kind of paintbrushes that you use for painting the trim on your house, like a wide paintbrush and some crappy old drugstore watercolors. And I found this massive paper. I did, I was a crafter at the time, but I did not think of myself as an artist. I would call myself an artist. I would put air quotes around it. I'm an artist. Um, and I went out to the backyard and I put these things together. And I remember standing there, I can still like feel that warm September sun on my shoulders and my feet were dug into the sand, uh, the, what do you call it, lawn on the ground. And, um, and I just started painting. I was pulling water out of that bucket and putting it on the big paper and putting my brush into the colors and swirling it into water. And I don't know if you've ever done, I know you do some artwork. And so, you know, when watercolors meet water, they kind of swirl around. And I was fascinated. And suddenly I was just extremely present. Suddenly I was like watching the colors and getting another color and bringing it in and getting another color and bringing it in. And and all of a sudden I felt this like, I felt this like chunk. I felt myself come back into my body. I don't know that I had ever been fully in my body in my whole entire life. Um, and it was just this feeling of being entirely present. And I was bawling and painting and ripping off a piece of paper, throwing it into the lawn and going again. And there was this one whole part of me that was thinking like, who do you think you are? You're not an artist, you don't get to do this. You don't know how to mix colors. Right. And the other part of me was like, don't stop. You need this. You deserve this. This is your birthright. And in a way, it's like that baby handed me these tools, these gifts, this little angel was like, this is what you get to do. And I just kept painting and painting and painting. It was like my, the paper was receiving all of my grief and handing me back this healing. It was this reciprocity that was happening there. And Throughout time, that was 30 years ago, darn near 30 years ago. And um, throughout the history of me, I've gone back to this process and used this for healing for, you know, those times that I've been lit literally down on my knees and like, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm like, oh yeah, paint, get out the colors. And I've gotten to the point where I paint really big now. I'm tiny. I'm only five foot three. I'm barely five foot three but I paint these paintings that are immense um, and I need to move my body to move the trauma out, to physically move the trauma out. And it's not about making pretty pictures. Um, it's not about the product that I want to create. It's about the process of doing the work of healing and letting that trauma leave my body and not be stuck inside of my physicality. So um, yeah, that's kind of the origin story of how I go from being, you know, what I would call garbage child, the unwanted garbage child, to the pregnant teenager, to the grieving and healing young mom, to where I am now. And you're 
intuition tapped into something that science is just starting to recognize that connection to trauma having to be released in the body as well as the mind that somatic connection and it works that way too that my clients can't get where they need to go by just working on the mindset by just working on the process going through the memories and fixing that is that it's it's a physical process too it's in our dna and sounds like you're a big transgenerational trauma believer too so yes we are soul sisters we are totally well and i always have said this thing about like i would make a joke because girl can i tell you how much therapy i've been to i have been to so much therapy so many different kinds of therapy i've been to group therapy individual therapy institutionalized therapy i've been i've like laid on the floor and cried and tried to do the whole rebirthing process like I've done all of that. So my joke would always be the issues are in the tissues, as in like we're crying and blowing our noses and the tissues, like the issues are in the But really I meant like the issues are in our actual tissues, right? So it's a little bit of both. And I like to be a little bit funny um, about that because I feel like bringing levity to this is also helpful. Um, it also reminds us like when we can be a little bit funny about it, like we're not in this alone. You know, I, if, as many souls as I know, I don't know any that are like, oh, I'm trauma free. You know, like if the worst thing you've ever been through is a car accident, that's still trauma. And God bless you if that's the worst thing you've ever been through. I mean, that's still gnarly. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I have a theory that every single person suffers from trauma reactivity. And I look at trauma as traumas are razor blades and a razor blade can cut you and that cut can kill you. A razor blade can cut you and that cut can be, you know, emergency room worthy. But also that razor blade can barely nick you over and over and over again. But no matter how tiny that nick is, it always leaves a scar. Razor blades are notorious for that. No matter how tiny that is, it always leaves a scar. And that's the way trauma is. It's these, the life that we live, it's a thousand tiny cuts, all of these microaggressions, all of these tiny experiences that we don't even see or perceive as trauma, reinforce beliefs that we hold about ourselves, reinforce previous experiences. And it just adds up to something that we don't even notice on the surface. So trauma work is absolutely for every single person, whether you recognize that you've had trauma or, or not, and especially coming at it from a physical perspective, like you do, this is like every single person who does a session with you is going to experience something releasing. And that's going to come from a repressed place, which probably is trauma-based. Not well, necessarily totally. always, but something will release. Well, and I was also thinking about this, Kristen, is that um, if I don't heal myself, I spill my trauma responses onto my little girl. And then she has children, then she spills them onto hers. And so that trauma can still be impactful. That same razor blade cut, if a little girl always has to grow up seeing that there's that cut on my mom, there's still that question of how did that get there? That's still their own, you know, uh, like you said, microaggression or th these smaller 
um, things that happen. Like my child has not endured things that I have endured. Um, we made sure of that. Um, thank God to this point, you know, she's 17 years old, she's going to college in a minute. So Lord only knows what's going to happen once she gets out into the big wide world. And hopefully nothing ever happens to her. Um, and because she's been well equipped and is extremely resourced, hopefully she's as safe as you can make a small person, a young person. Um, but that that generational trauma is very real. And it spills down from one generation onto the next, onto the next. And if we don't heal ourselves, because I think a lot of times people think like um, doing this kind of therapeutic type work is selfish. And I'm like, no, girl, you've got to do this work. No, sweetheart, everyone needs to do this work. I work with men and women. And if we aren't doing our work, we are likely to spill our own pain onto our own offspring, whatever that happens to be. Even if our offspring is our work, for writers, if we're you know, authors of any kind, if we're creating any kind of creation in the world, anything that you're creating is your offspring, right? And no matter what, it's all impacted by your perception. And if you don't heal yourself, you're bringing, you're bringing that trauma to life in these various different ways. So I just think it's super important. And I do think that a little like, I like to call it navel gazing, a little like introspection is critical for all human beings. But that's just me. I'm a therapy. What can I say? <laughs> so we've been alluding to what you do a little bit. And we've talked about, you know, a session and how amazing they are and what, um, that everybody should do it. But tell, tell us a little bit about what that entails. What does a session with you look like? Well, first of all, I have a program, um, I have various programs, but no matter what, I do the same thing every single time, whether it's one-on-one -on -one with people, if it's in person, if it's online, because I have clients around the world, um, I do the exact same thing everything, every time. And I take people through a journey that I call the Arc of Transformation. And the Arc of Transformation is just a very direct path that we take every single time. Um, we move through these seven pillars um, and the pillars just hold us as a container, a thematic container. So every week or every month, whatever it is that we work together, they all have a theme. So I help to move people through basically discovery to celebration. Let's just use those as general terms. Um, but the, every single time we do the exact same thing, we drop into meditation, which I intuit. I ask my clients to work from their intuition. I also work from my intuition. So I do an intuited, guided meditation, right? Guide. It's mostly just like breath and body awareness and being embodied because that's where I think, like that's how we do the work, right? We got to get into the body. So we come into the breath and body and get really grounded. And then from there, we do a little bit of journaling. I write these journal prompts. Um, again, like if I have one-on-one -on -one clients, they're specific to their needs, um, you know, I've got clients that have been through war and who have been significantly like almost killed in the line of duty, uh, who are overcoming just so much trauma, even in the fifties, still attempting to come through that trauma. And so I'll write journal prompts specifically to those people. Um, and then if I work in a group and we're working on a different kind of sector of the population, maybe we're working with burned out executives or overwhelmed moms, 
Um, but there's journal prompts. So we do meditation, then journaling. And then from the journaling, we go into this intuitive painting process. Um, along the way, we share a little bit just to kind of keep connecting with each other, making sure that we're still together on the journey. But the intuitive painting part is silent. There's no music. There's no chatting. There's no feedback. There's no criticism. There's no critique. It's literally just you, the substrate, the colors and the tools, and that's the process. It's silent, it's healing, it holds you. It's really fun. I like to do it. It's just fun to screw around with the colors, quite frankly. Um, some of my favorite tools are these things. So it's pretty cheap, <laughs> you know, as long as I have them, I can use them. Um, and yeah, I, I really, I don't like to even be constrained to just one thing. I work with paint a lot. But I work with inks and crayons and colored markers and colored pencils. Uh, I work with little kids and let them work with whatever they want to work with. Um, pretty much grownups, I do the same thing. Let them work with whatever they want to work with. But I like to make it really accessible and just fun. It's not about making a pretty picture, like I was saying earlier. It's just really about listening, about tuning in. Um, and that's why we stay quiet so that you can continue to hear that inner knowledge keeper, that inner wisdom keeper. Um, because what we're truly doing is we're rebuilding self-trust. We're coming back inside, listening. Oh, okay, let me follow this. Taking that instruction, even if it seems weird, even if I don't really, like my intuition messes with me all the time. She's like, we're gonna paint with yellow. I'm like, I hate yellow. She's like, yep, we're painting with yellow. But it gets, there's something that it like brings something out in me where I'm resistant and I'm like, fine. And then I do it. And then I'm like, oh, this is actually kind of nice. And so it's that trust. And when I follow my intuition, it's never a critical voice, by the way. Intuition is not a nasty little mean voice that says critical shitty things to you. Can I say the S word? I just, yeah. um, it's not about that. It's always about the cheerleading, the voice that's encouraging and following that. And then when I follow that, I always come out with something I totally dig, even if it's just a message or an opportunity to keep moving my body. Yesterday I was painting and my body just wanted to do this back and forth and I was working really big and I wanted to like rock my body. And I was like, okay, this is what we're doing today. And I was working with just three colors, orange, yellow, and white. God knows why, because yellow always has to be there. Um, and I worked it out. And in the end, I ended up with this really interesting sort of landscape. And I was like, wow, that was a cool experience. Thank you, me. And there's something about following that intuition that makes you feel like you enjoy hearing yourself. You enjoy your own ideas. There's a pleasure that comes from that that I think is sometimes something that we seek in all kinds of external ways, um, shopping and gambling, drinking or whatever, right? Like people use these different things to make themselves feel good. And when you can use your own just self-trust and inner guidance, there's something really magical feeling about that. Um, and that's the transformation. It's simple. And that's why I call it tiny transformations, you know, the little um, miniature kind of sessions that I do, like what I did with you. I just call them tiny transformations because we're going to have just this moment. And at the end of it, you're going to feel lighter. Um, 
and it's a whole journey, even within a 45 minute, even with the 45 minute session that we did, you know, it's, it's just a moment, but it feels really good. So does that answer the question? Did I say all the things? I think it was a beautiful answer. And I think you've, you've tapped in your own way. You've tapped into all of these psychological truths, but you've done it in a way that's really accessible to everybody. And I, I just, I appreciate that about you so much that you're like, you've taken this concept of, okay, well, we have to do mind body. Well, you made it so people don't have to think about that. And then you, that moment of silence, how important is silence? We distract ourselves constantly all the time because we can't listen to ourselves because we're not comfortable with ourselves. We don't take those moments to get to know ourselves. And you've given people a tool for getting their body engaged and distracting themselves in themselves in a positive way that's inevitable that they're connected. They, they have to connect with themselves, but they're still distracted enough that they're not super uncomfortable with that. So your, your approach to taking the silence and giving tools to it is so beautiful. And I think that's, that's one of your magic tricks, like how it's so successful that anyone who does it is going to have that moment, is going to have a connection, is going to come up with a good result, even if they're like, I'm not an artist or I'm not comfortable with this or, whoa, this is weird. Or <laughs> no matter how they come into it, there's something to be had, something to be received in like i am not a big advocate of most people most people that i have on the show i will tell people you know do your research find out about this person how you feel about them but this method that you're using i'm all in i'm just like if you if you are interested or curious see julie because i have no caution flags on this process whatsoever i don't see any possibility for a bad experience you're so awesome. I appreciate that. You're giving me chills. It's such an honor to have done this work with you, for you to see it. Because, you know, I am I like to say I glitter on shit for a living, right? You actually are doing the science part. And I'm over here listening and listening and listening. And 30 years of listening, you know, maybe I get something on a different kind of a level, but knowing that there are other people out there holding the science and looking at it and going, oh no, this is a real thing. Um, it's an honor to have people validate me in that way, validate the work in that way. So thank you for that. Safe exploration is hard to come by. There are a lot of people out there doing things that are risky and things that are unsafe and making claims that they have no business making and you don't do any of those things. Your work is, is I, I find no faults with your work. I'm just like, yay, I love, I love this person. So, um, and I'm a judgy, I'm a judgy person when it comes to, especially PTSD and claims people make and things people say they can do for people. I'm like, <laughs> because there is a lot of over-promising and it's a very sensitive, it's a very sensitive audience who's been burned a million times and all they want is hope. So if you, if you say you can give them any kind of experience, you have to back it up. So, well, and I believe this, like I've been, I've done all kinds of different work in my life and 
generally speaking, I've been public facing that I'm going to see my customers in the face. And if I say something and it doesn't come through, I am going to have to be held accountable for that. And so I like to under promise and over deliver. That's just sort of my thing. I like to set, listen, here's the thing. I love for people to have a wonderful experience. And so I'm super conscientious about like, what does the space smell like? Like I use wild orange essential oils to help people feel a little bit elevated. And I like to make sure that when people come in, there's candlelight because it's warm and inviting. And um, I like to make sure that the studio looks really like fun and like there's stuff there, but not distracting, but like it's abundant also. Like there's a ton of paint, there's a ton of glitter, there's a million paintbrushes. I want people to feel like they're in the space that's approachable, but opulent and really abundant because it's important to me that I'm reaching people on all of the senses. I mean, maybe I'm not suggesting that they taste the paint because that's probably a bad idea, <laughs> but we have tea. That's, that's taste, right? But I try to hit all the senses and make sure that people feel really um, supported in all the ways. And well, I, you know, I do have clients who are, um, dealing with trauma. And I will say I help soften the edge of trauma. Um, but that if you are really dealing with trauma, you need a trauma trained therapist. That's something I tell every client that I ever work with that has PTSD. You need a trauma trained therapist. I will help and often work together with the therapist, which is kind of a cool um, collaboration when the therapist can really see what I do. And um, I can make sure that we're on theme and not doing anything that's um, counterproductive. So thank you for recognizing that. I appreciate that, Krista. That's my favorite thing too, is when you get paired with a person who's working with a fantastic therapist, and then you can, you can add all the layers in that they're missing in their time off. And you have that partnership going. So they go to therapy, they get something really big happens, they get to just purge. And then they go home and they're like, oh my gosh, what do I do in this in this off time? I've got two weeks now. And they can they can have all these alternative resources and tools to, as you said, take the edge off that downtime and help process things in different ways and get the body more engaged. Cause it's very rare for therapy to opt to include the somatic approach. So it's it's really really fun to have those partnerships and it is and also i think that a lot of people having been like i have had i just literally just graduated therapy um i've i've like definitely left therapy before but never had a therapist be like and you are done i was like oh, i'm done i'm all better now um she's like i'm you're always going to be a mess sister i was like oh okay well as long as i have permission to always be a mess then good but the therapist that I had before that, um, that therapist literally just stopped, stopped working because of the pandemic and had to homeschool three children. And she's like, mm, I can't really be a clinician and also educate three children. So but she was like, Julie, you amaze me because you actually do your homework. Most people get so overwhelmed by life that they don't do their homework. And I feel like the intuitive painting process is a way of holding them in the homework process, if you will, because it gives them a place to process, especially if the therapist and I can agree on, um, hey, here's some good journal prompts, or hey, Julie, could you shove these her way or his way? Yes, I will definitely weave those in 
to my program. And that way we are really moving them forward because that's the point. The point isn't to perpetually keep doing this stuff. It's to get to a point of you're done <laughs> or at least done for now. <laughs> oh, this is so funny. I got to graduate somebody today. Oh, nice. was like, I did the same thing. I was like, and she's like, what comes next? I'm like, you're done. <gasps> and she was like, what? And then she goes, but I'm scared. I'm like, yeah, but I'm still here. You're just not on the books anymore. You just, you let me know in, you know, two weeks, 30 days, if you need to touch base, I'm always here, but you don't have to be here every week. Like you're, you're done. And she's like, I didn't even realize that was a possibility. I'm like, you're everything we've talked about today. You're explaining how you're using your tools, how you're applying them to changing your life. Like you're recognizing all the situations and you're applying everything you need to do. You've got this, you've got this. And she's just like, I do got this. <laughs> like that stunned. Oh my gosh. Therapy ends. What? Yeah. Like what a concept. People literally believe that this is just like, you need this every day for the rest of your life, but it's not that way. And no. that's not our goal. And I love that you said that because I think a lot of people do just want clients forever, but responsible healers want you on your own, want to give you tools and resources so that you can do it on your own so that you can stand on and solve and see the potential and the possibility and and move yourself forward knowing what we would say to you knowing what we would give to you and use them yourself because we don't have to be there all the time no 100 percent. and that's how we fill the toolbox right like i fill the toolbox by through what i call journal prompts but some of these journal prompts are um we like i do a I do in, with people I work with, I do like one little part where we build ritual around your morning so that you're starting your day off in a really great way, right? Well, that becomes one of the tools in your toolbox. Is your morning ritual always going to be the same? No, but we know all the stuff you love. We know what brings you pleasure because one of the journaling prompts is make a list of 20 things that bring you pleasure. Make a journal prompt like 20 things that bring you joy, 20 things that uplift your spirits, whatever it is, right? And do it consistently. So that you start to notice, oh, guess what? Nature is on my list every day. So if I'm feeling kind of shitty, go outside, look up. I don't care where you are. There's a sky above you, no matter where you are. And so that's the cool thing. We fill that toolbox full of all these things that bring them pleasure, meaning they can form a ritual in their morning that includes that thing they love, and they're holding themselves. Go back to the toolbox, look in, ah, here's the tool I need. Let's go to work. So, yeah. I love, love, love this. Also, we're looking at your studio, and behind you, you have a number of your pieces. Do you want to you want to show us and tell us a little bit about each one of those? Okay, I can do this. <laughs> All right. So I just I literally just tilted my laptop. Um, let's see. It's backwards from where I am. So if I think. Oh, here we go. All right, check this out. I actually like this guy. He's sort of everyone's favorite that I've done. He's about four feet tall, three feet wide. And I call him he because I don't know if you can see it from there, but there's half of an elephant's face. I know. So let the white parts block out the background. And like that's the ear. 
goes all the way up to the top. Here's an eye, right? Oops, right, right, right. There's his eye. And you come down, here's a tusk. Wait, where's the tusk? The tusk is right here. Anyways, so what happened with this piece is that I just put it on my easel and I kept drawing symbols of things that I loved. And so you see a heart, you see some spirals, you see some flowers, you see the eyeball that I pointed out. There's an archway there, all kinds of things. And I just kept turning it and turning it and turning it. So there was no upside down or downside up to this piece. I just kept messing with it. And it's like all full of inky goodness. I don't know. It's a fun piece. So that's that piece. But and then the interesting thing, if you look at it just one more time from afar, is he's like, he's got the hot side hot and the cold side cold. Do you see that all the reddy orange on one side and all the bluey green and purple on the other? So that is what draws this collection together. The next one and the next one beyond that are basically that same kind of like hot side, hot, cold side, cold. This one holds, a, I'm famous for doing these faces. When I'm not doing these crazy, gigantic, intuitive paintings, I do these giant faces. So that has that, but this is proof. I was teaching um, somebody to do intuitive painting and she was like, I'm scared, I'm scared. I'm like, I said, F it. Just throw some paint on there. So I had pretty much done, like I had done that whole background and I just took this gold paint and just threw, it was on the ground, on the ground. And I just threw the paint at it. And she's like, oh, what did you do? I'm like, I'm playing. And now we're getting to play with this. You know, and I was saying like my fingers are some of my favorite tools. These are just my fingers smushed in purple paint. Very high tech, very professional. Don't try this at home. <laughs> just kidding, of course. Um, and then this piece, um, I really love this one. It didn't get more to it than just this like background, but it's like so many different kinds of medium. There's water, there's ink, there's heavy, heavy body acrylics, light body acrylics, metallics, lots of waters and drippies and what have you. So that's that. I'll show you two more pieces. I won't keep you on the hair forever, but these are so wildly different. Hang on. Here we go. Here's the tour of my house too. Let's see who's behind me. Here you go. So this is like Lady Liberty, but she's like not just of the United States, but like the whole universe. She's got the planets there on her um, crown. So that's her. And she started out, there's a bunch of words written behind her, like all these healing words that I needed to bring into my life. And then this funky little baby. Um, yeah, I don't even know what to say about that one. She's just, it's like, it's like a phoenix, but instead of all the um, red and orange and whatnot, she's just walking past. The flames are all behind her. She's walking out of that. So. It's like a little wood sprite. Yeah. Well, you know, a serious wood sprite. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's some of my work. I love to work really big, like I was saying, because it just feels like I can move it out of my body and like. On that Lady Liberty one, that was a body movement. Her hair was just a, a wiggle, a wiggle, a wiggle, a wiggle, a wiggle. And I wiggled for probably a week, wiggling some shit out. Um, I've been painting a lot. My dad died this past fall. That was super traumatic. Um, didn't know he was sick until uh, seven days before he died. And um, so I've been painting that out a lot. Uh, I also like to not just for trauma, but I like to also paint to like come up with new ideas for how to help my kid through certain situations or when I'm trying to come up with a new way of helping a client or a new program. 
So it's just anytime I really want to get in touch with what's going on inside, I let it come out that way. I journal a lot too, because I feel like I don't know what's up in here until I kind of pull it out. I think of the Harry Potter pensive, you know, pulling the ideas out and sticking it into the dish. And that's kind of what I'm doing with my pencil into my journal, you know? So that's me. Gateway. <laughs> I do need a gateway. And I think that everyone does. Like, I, I think that it's almost like, um, like focus, right? Like it needs like, because there's so much sometimes when you're overwhelmed with grief or pain or even just life, it's like, it's all there. And it's like, I need focus so I can get it out. Um, I once heard that the brain is not meant to be a, a thing to hold lists, but sometimes we'll list this thing had happened, that thing had happened. I need to do this. I need to do that. And your brain swirls around that stuff. And um, I just think that's what's helpful to me and to the people that I've worked with. It's been pretty effective. Well, now's the fun part. Now you get to tell everybody how they can get a hold of you and anything um, else that you want to say before we go. Yeah, I actually am launching a, um, a, my first ever online group program, and that's starting in two weeks on April 29, and um, that's going to be a six-week journey through the arc of transformation, uh, and you can get a hold of me. My name Julie Winterborn. It's a little bit hard to spell. It's super easy to misspell, um, but it's just how it looks on the screen, J-U-L-E-E, -E, and then Winterborn with the O-U-R-N-E, very British. Um, and that's the same way that you find me on Facebook. That's the same way you find me on Instagram. And even my website is juliewinterborn.com. So it's all about, I'm a Leo. So, you know, it's all about, it's all about that Leo energy, the Julie, Julie Winterborn. So, um, yeah, that's how you find me. And that's what's, I'm super excited about this upcoming program. Um, calling, I'm calling it Unmask Your pleasure because I feel like we hide behind stuff. And plus we've been wearing these freaking masks for a year plus, you know, <laughs> get it off. Unmasked yeah. pleasure. Where's our, can I see your smiles again? Can we find your smile? I know it's under there. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited about that. And yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. I felt like Forrest Gump when I just said that <laughs> about that. Anyways, yeah, I'm super excited. I have actually one other thing that I would like to say that I haven't talked about very much is that I do have a program where I work with underprivileged youth. And that's really where my heart of hearts lies is in helping those kids who are in the foster care system, kids who have aged out of the foster care system, uh, young people who've gotten in trouble and have been in and out of juvenile detention and are even aging out of, of juvie. Uh, I have a special place in my heart for these kids, and it's my goal, Krista. This is my goal. My big goal is to um, create a nonprofit organization where it's almost like the Tom's style organization. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Tom's the shoes. So it's buy one, give one. So for every adult, every every executive, every entrepreneur, every vet that I heal, I'm helping to heal a kid who can't pay for it, who's in some kind of systemic um, situation where they can't pay for it. So that's my dream. So the more grownups that get healed, the more kids we can heal. 
And um, that's really my, that's my big dream. Maybe in like five years, I'll have a nonprofit and we'll be helping heal little kids all over the place. So funny, you said the buy one, get one. That is the way that my Infinite Bliss program works as well. One tuition pays for another tuition. So for every person who registers, you pay for a vet who can't afford it or who doesn't have access to care. So <laughs> again, we're on the same page. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I mean, that's just it. I really do believe that we're all brought together to, on purpose and that we're you know, kind of linking in arm and arm because it's a lot easier to stand up together when we've got arms to link into. And it's a lot harder to um, take us apart when we are linking and holding up each other. So I do think that it's one of those things we were meant to meet each other. And I feel really honored and blessed to be here with you today. Thank you so much for coming tonight. Again, everybody, say thank you to Julie. And if you feel compelled or drawn to her work, please do check it out. At least try one session. It is it is an experience worth having, even if you're like, I'm not an artist. I don't do that kind of stuff, especially for you. There is so much value to exploring new things and creativity and play and adventure are three of my keys that I will teach you. So you get three of them all at the same time when you hit Julia. So again, Krista Fee and Julie Winterborn for Battle TV, the Trauma Transformation Podcast, signing out. Ciao.